Hello and welcome to the Active Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Active's Agri-Food News team. So I would say the key theme of this week can be summed up in two words. Who wants to guess what those two words are? <laughs> Don't is all it, jump at once. Is, is it for us or for our listeners? For you, <laughs> they can't. No, our listeners I mean, can't res- respond. No, because for instance, on YouTube, you know, there are the. Are we on uh, YouTube? No, YouTube, uh, other podcasts. <laughs> uh, there are people who say, "Okay, I give you five seconds to think about it." Oh right, okay. Pause the video and, if you need more time. Yeah, pause the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, Julia, Julia oh, okay. is an you, expert of YouTube. You're both video. big fans, clearly. Okay, all right. <laughs> All right, so let me do that again. So we've got two key words. Have a think about it for five seconds, everyone. See what you can do. is a lot. What, you said five seconds? Yeah, no, Julia said five seconds. Fine. Gerardo, (laughs) give the game away. What are we talking about here? Uh, We're talking about food security. It's back. It's right. I I was right. Yes, of course you're right. Oh, what a surprise. (laughs) Did I win some prizes or no? You won the prize of telling everyone what's going on and why we're talking about food security this week. Yeah, food security is a concept that is um, included in the European tree. I'm joking. Um, Food security, (laughs) uh, of course, because of, uh, of the situation in Ukraine, Mm. Um, the invasion of Russia, uh, put the spotlight on this concept of food security that for, uh, uh, you know, you know, for, for a little, um, period, uh, was even considered no longer, uh, that important, uh, in, in the EU by mm. some member of the college of the college of commissioners. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically there's, uh, an increasing, um, uh, you know, a, a, a crisis situation when it comes to, uh, both the reduced trade from Ukraine, uh, which alone accounts for, for instance, 19% of EU wheat imports and 13% of oil seed imports. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. And uh, there's also the, the situation with the uh, sanctions to Belarus and Russia that involves, uh, uh, that involves, of course, um, like for instance, a sanction on, on potash, which is a key component of, uh, of, uh, of, of a fertilizer, and uh, and uh, this is basically adding up to the already existing um, pressure when it comes to the input price uh, mm. of uh, you know fertilizer, uh, plant protection product, products, and so on. So basically, we're having problems importing, trading in food, and we're potentially having problems growing it as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, but otherwise we're fine, you know. All the other, but otherwise, yeah, everything's areas. fine. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And actually, this was it was compounded, or all, all of these fears were compounded this week because the uh, Ukraine's government actually introduced export licensing of key foodstuffs, including wheat, corn, and poultry meat, and also sunflower oil. Um, so the fears have kind of been a little bit flamed this week over food security. Yeah, and also. So uh, even some countries in Europe uh, adopted this kind of uh, zero quota to export, like Hungary, mm. 
Uh, this was actually quite um, criticized by the commission because, of course, it creates a fragmentation in the um, in the measures adopted by countries to cope with the disruption caused by the uh, situation in Ukraine. Um, and uh, yeah, so for instance, uh, uh, this also we already anticipated uh, uh, this last week. Uh, created a debate in the EU bubble uh, on whether to reconsider some commission policies. It's not only about agri-food, it's also about the energy, actually in energy. The general green goals mm, we're talking about here, the sustainability goals. Yeah, so basically, you know, prioritizing uh, food security or security of supply, again, no matter if it's... Uh, food supplies, but also gas or, or other um, you know, energy sources, uh, prioritizing this security of supply over sustainable goals. Uh, this was um, anticipated by uh, Wojciechowski, Commission, Agriculture Commissioner Wojciechowski last week, and uh, Julian de Normandie, who's the French Agriculture Minister, they had an extraordinary meeting, informal meeting with the other EU Agriculture Ministers. They, um, some minister actually put forward the idea to, uh, like for instance, to uh, set aside 10% of the um, the so-called landscape, fe- landscape features, so basically the um, agricultural land for the for certain for biodiversity, yeah, for biodiversity, mm, yeah, and to um, change it to basically uh, protein crop. Also, because uh, as you you were saying before, uh, there's a uh, a shortage of um, uh, oil seeds, uh, but. This week there was some kind of uh, counterattack of the um, the Green Deal uh, proponents, Avengers. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers. Yeah, Avengers. Uh, okay, um, that's where you're going with that. Interesting. No, actually, actually, Julia could tell us a bit more because one of these uh, Avengers was uh, the German agricultural <laughs> minister. <laughs> yeah, I still have to come up with a uh, what is Avenger yeah, name would be. Yeah, what would his superhero name be? Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Well, okay, uh, we'll think about it. Come well, back to it. If we were on YouTube, we'd say uh, write your ideas in the comments. But um, mm. yeah, but basically, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're not on YouTube. I hate to break this to you guys. <laughs> no. Twice now this has come up. Fine. <laughs> yeah, but basically, German minister uh, Jan Westermeer is uh, quite uh, quite passionate about defending uh, the green goals. He's uh, come out several times now with statements um, saying very clearly that um, he does not think uh, the current crisis is a reason to uh, question a green goals. He said basically, um, yeah, we, we all care a lot about Ukraine. We think um, we think of the people there every day, but the crisis is not the reason to, um, to question our green goals and to not make agriculture more sustainable. And also... Um, He's basically said that he doesn't see the big impact on European um, food markets. He's basically saying the EU and Germany will be fine. Um, The impact will mostly be on third countries who are already uh, facing food shortages in some areas of the world because of droughts and um, things like that. 
So these countries who are much more dependent on um, food imports will be much more affected and we should focus on helping them while we will probably be fine in the EU and uh, should not question the Green Deal because of it. And he's not the only one, actually. I know, I know, to... I know where you oh. want to. I know where you want to go right now, but uh, before okay, but <laughs> jumping in somewhere the, else, oh, right, jumping okay. in the, uh, let's hear from uh, because actually there was uh, um, there was the plenary week in uh, the European Parliament with some uh, extraordinary meetings of certain some EU uh, parliamentary committees. There was an extraordinary meeting of the Envy Committee. And uh, uh, the and Franz Timmermans again another one of the uh, Green Deal uh, Avengers uh, defended the Green Deal goals even um, in the in the food uh, you know the the f- green food uh, goals of the farm to fork and the biodiversity strategies. Uh, let's uh, hear from him uh, how he defended it. Please, please don't believe in the illusion that helping food production, that you would help food production by making it less sustainable, by not opting for uh, uh, farm-to-fork strategies, by not making it more resilient in terms of uh, the natural environment and the food production. We need to reduce our dependency of potash coming from elsewhere, including uh, uh, Russia and, and Belarus. So that we need, we need to reduce the fertilizers we, we need. We need to uh, reduce the pesticides we need, etc., etc. So also here I would argue that farm to fork is part of the answer and not part of the problem. And now, Natasha, you can actually uh, say what you wanted to say before. So... You, you wanted to link what uh, Ozdemir said about the, the fact that this, kind of, this um, war in Ukraine could have a bigger effect on, uh, uh, actually, on uh, other parts of the world. Yeah, before you stole my segue, I was going to jump on that and say, actually, he's not the only one to be saying she's this. A bit, she's a bit... Polite. A bit bitter. Yeah. I'm a bit bitter about Yeah. I don't know why. I'll move past it. It's okay. I can put it behind me. But um, yeah, he's not the only one that actually shared the same view, was talking about the wider ramifications, you know, looking outside the EU. Um, Because actually this week, Gerardo and I spoke with Pekka Personen, who's the Secretary General of EU Farmers Association in Copacajeca. Um, And he was saying exactly the same thing. He was actually saying that, you know, he's maybe less concerned about what's going to happen in terms of the food supplies in the EU. He was saying, you know, the EU is unlikely to go hungry as a consequence of the war in Ukraine. But he did say that he does see it having, you know, his main concern is that it will have a devastating impact on certain areas of Africa um, and the Middle East. You're speaking about North Africa, Egypt, um, and a few other places. Um, you know, and he was he was saying this could have serious disruption at the international level. So this was actually his main concern um, as a fallout from the war. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, he mentioned the fact that uh, we're talking about areas of the world where uh, some uh, big um, um, political upheavals, yeah, uh, happened mm. uh, quite recently, actually, uh, like the Arab Springs uh, mm. and so on. 
um, and of course, uh, food prices and food shortages could have uh, a political effect uh, on in this uh, area. So it's it's a bit of um, again uh, quite uh, um, strong uh, debate or confrontation. Uh, you know, in the aftermath of this uh, of this uh, uh, invasion. In, uh, in the EU bubble, because on one side you have um, the, you know, the stakeholders, but also uh, politicians that are basically trying to uh, take advantage of this uh, food, sh- uh, food shortage uh, um, situation in order to push a bit the previous agenda, so basically, uh, to because it's not new that, for instance, uh, the largest group in the European Parliament, the EPP, so the centre-right uh, party uh, in the European Parliament, uh, it's, it's it's not a a mystery, or it's not, uh, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. Say. Yes, it's not a secret. Yeah. Not a mystery. It's not a secret that uh, this party has always been. Uh, uh, quite vocal against uh, certain objectives of the Farm to Forest Always been, eh? not just now. And they're basically um, reorientating the debate that we thought uh, was uh, moving away from this, uh, you know, the the necessity of having more sustainable goals. Uh, but now they're basically um, representing the same arguments uh, of uh, two years ago. And they even asked to uh, uh, put on hold the implementation of the Farm to Fork strategy. Was There was a, um, a note by Herbert Dorfman, an Italian MEP, who's the spokesperson uh, on agricultural matters, um, of the EPP, and he was basically saying this. He was basically asking to, uh, for the moment, um, you know, put in the fridge <laughs> the implementation of the pharmaceutical strategy. We actually have one big appointment uh, in two weeks, no? We do. Yeah, the 23rd of March, we have the um, unveiling of the SUD directive, so the uh, sustainable pesticide directive, one of the cornerstones of the farm to fork strategy. Actually, there's a lot going on in the twenty third. It's a big, it's a big day this month. Um, also, because it will be the official meeting. While we're talking about food security, the official uh, kickoff meeting for this new European Food Security Crisis Preparedness and Response Mechanism, which is not a very catchy name, but anyway, we need. To- find a way to refer to this a bit better i'm going to call it the food security crisis meeting maybe are we are we are we uh, launching a poll on twitter uh with our listener uh trying to get a better name for this uh, platform <laughs> like launch petition <laughs> if you ask people on twitter they're, they're going to come up with it, all kinds of names so i think that's uh, that's dangerous it's going to be like voting mcbakeface all over yeah. again yeah yeah or we can do it on our youtube channel <laughs> right Fresh we absolutely need a youtube channel yeah so much for missing right. out the podcast is the past guys youtube is the future <laughs> well while you guys work on that i'm going to explain <laughs> what this food security crisis meeting is and was because actually there was an ad hoc meeting called uh this week 
on food security in light of all of the disruptions that are happening um, with Ukraine, they decided to kind of uh, bring forward a you know a bit of an impromptu meeting that they had ahead of what was scheduled on the 23rd. Um, and during this meeting, it was a closed doors meeting, um, but we've spoken to a number of different uh, sources that were inside the meeting about what happened. That we cannot mention. That we, we cannot mention. mention. No. We cannot mention. So um, we protect our sources. This is for our listeners that are actually our sources. So um, consider <laughs> how uh, how good we treat you. Uh, so okay, yeah. So uh, and the sources. Um, that we spoke with, basically, they told us kind of what went down in the meeting and what the main themes were and, and what the different positions of everyone were. And one of the things, one of the, the kind of themes that really emerged from this is that clearly um, the commission is not bowing down to pressure to change or halt or um, temporarily put on hold the farm to fork strategy or any of the other green EU green goals. You know, the commission took a very strong stance in this meeting this week basically saying, you know, this is not up for negotiation. This is not, this is, this is not on the table for discussion. It's not something that they're going to consider as a possibility. Um, so they were very, very strong on that and very firm. Um, and there are also a number of other key, key topics that were raised during the meeting, um, which I would sum up with the phrase feed and seed, that being animal feed and also seed for sowing both of which um, the EU has very dwindling supplies of. So there was a number of, you know, a lot of people were raising the alarm about this issue, especially for certain member states in the south, mainly. Um, they, so we're talking about here Cyprus, Portugal and Spain, who were saying that they may uh, they run the risk of exhausting stocks of animal feed by Easter if something's not done and we need to look at alternative sourcing for this. So it's, it's quite a strong statement. No, there. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because... Even on the on the mainstream media, uh, we tend to address the situation, uh, um, the disruption caused by the war, uh, by saying that of course uh, Ukraine and Russia are the two biggest agricultural powers when it comes to the cereal production. Uh, but actually, so people might think that the real problem is with uh, you know bread, pasta, biscuits. But actually, the problem is animal feed, <laughs> so it's mm. um, it's not super intuitive. Uh, but the the real problems uh, uh, in terms of food shortages uh, could uh, could uh, actually be faced by the livestock sector. Yeah. Um, but also on seeds. I mean, on we seeds, have, yeah. we have sowing season that's you know rapidly upon us, and. It, you know, it's taking a slightly longer term vision than, you know, food supply right now and right here and right now. But if we can't get enough seed um, into the EU for sowing, then we're talking about, you know, longer, longer ramifications into the harvest season, into even, you know, next year or. Um, so that's another another yeah. thing to keep in mind that it's not the here and now it's not an immediate necessarily the immediate food yeah, supply, yeah that, that's another that's another great uh, um remark because uh, again we tend to consider on the on the market um uh, the you know the agricultural commodities at a par of commodities you know uh, but actually uh, compared to industrial products uh, uh, they have some some very specific timing uh, as you said, the, 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 the stages in, in order to get the final product, the final agricultural product. And at the same time, uh, uh, it's not only about 
you know, since we're talking about a, com- a commodity market, it's also influenced, the price of this food stuff is also influenced by other external factors, like uh, we mentioned before, the, the cost of inputs, but also, for instance, the currency. Uh, you know, for instance, there was a, an issue with the, with the wheat uh, some months ago because the um the price of the euro was uh, um bigger than the one on dollars and th- this created problem with the wheat coming from canada and uh, it created a, a very short uh, shortage of uh, wheat for uh, you know for the uh, italian past producers uh, some months ago and this was caused also because of some uh, stock issues in Canada, but also because of uh, of uh, currency fluctuations, no? So it's super complicated. Commodity market is super complicated. And uh, and in the end, uh, farmers are, are going to pay the price if nothing uh, will be done uh, because there was also this discussion on the table what the commission could do in order to uh, alleviate the burden on uh, farmers at the moment. Uh, there was actually the presentation of um, of uh, um, another communication on energy, on the crisis in the energy sector, uh, which affected uh, farmers. Uh, Tash, you, you know more about this. I do, yeah. Um, so, well, it, basically it was this communication. It's evolved somewhat, this communication, from some previous draft uh drafts that we got our hands on in light of the whole situation that's happening in ukraine but basically um you know this communication was addressing the energy crisis in the eu and obviously as you've explained as Gerard has explained this has a huge impact on uh, the farming sector and one of the commission's responses on this is basically to really push on biomethane or biogas as it's known um and so the idea is actually to double the, the objective so in the previous in the fit 55 package um, there was this objective to create 17 uh, billion cubic meters of biogas per year by 2030 and the commission's actually decided to double this and now so why are we talking about this in terms of agri well because this is produced by agricultural waste manure and, and straw and, and things from the farm um, and it's seen as a way to try and bolster the sector against you know energy fluctuations and try and make it a bit more independent um so that is one way that the commission is, is a, the thing is this is a little bit more um long term this this goal um but in terms of the here and now um you know this meeting this week was more about finding alternative markets immediately there was conversations on trying to change the rules around you know maximum residue levels re- residue levels on pesticides things like the relaxation of some rules on gmos um basically with a view to look at places like to source from places um, such as the us which have you know different levels of acceptability um in these respects um so that's the a lot of different options are on the table right now the idea is that the commission, you know, will c- gather these all up, collect them all up, um, and will be considered by the EU executive on the in the upcoming special committee on agriculture, the SCAR meeting, which is on Monday the fourteenth. So. I was thinking, uh, at least here in Berlin, we're seeing the first few days that actually feel like spring. 
so Brussels too. Uh, unbelievably wow unbelievably we had wow. seen some for the first time as like emerging blinking into the sun after like months and months it's a miracle of darkness it is it's like everyone's yeah. running around in like swimsuits basically it's a miracle yeah february in brussels was really foggy yeah. like so was the whole of last year <laughs> uh, <laughs> i yeah, barely but, um, remember seeing sun the entire year yeah i mean yeah but fe- february particularly foggy yeah okay yeah. so um basically i was thinking it, this makes it a good moment to talk about something spring themed this week namely a flower Ooh. and Ooh. Uh, with the sun coming out and everything what could be more fitting than talking about sunflowers oh, uh, one of my but, favorite flowers i love them yeah so um Sadly, though, there's also more of a somber reason why sunflowers are talked about a lot at the moment. Um, and it's because they're actually intimately linked to uh, Ukraine and to Russia's war there. Um, so you might have seen or heard of this video that made the rounds on Twitter, and I'm sure in other places too recently, where this Ukrainian woman, woman actually went up to a Russian soldier and offered him sunflowers to put into his pocket so that when he dies on Ukrainian ground, sunflowers will grow there. So uh, quite a story, I think. Um, but it's not its not a coincidence that the woman picked sunflower seeds specifically for this. And also that people all over the world have been using sunflowers as a symbol to show their solidarity with Ukraine. Uh, and the reason why this is um, a symbol that's so linked with Ukraine is actually agri-related. Yeah, indeed, because uh, sunflowers have been grown in Ukraine for a long time, since the 18th century, uh, to produce sunflower seeds and oil. And uh, as a defining feature of Ukraine's landscape, they've become an unofficial national symbol, as well as a, a symbol of peace. Sadly, it is therefore also quite symbolic how Russia's attack on the country has impaired the production of sunflowers in Ukraine. Uh, Both Ukraine and Russia are major exporters of sunflower oil and together make up a majority of worldwide exports. Uh, In the face of the war, sunflower oil is now among the key goods for which Ukraine has halted export in order to safeguard domestic supply. And with with Russia, um, uh, supply chains are interrupted due to the deteriorating uh, deteriorating relations and the sanction. And there have been reports that cargo ships have stopped calling at Russian ports for sunflower oil. Uh, several EU countries have already been ringing the alarm about looming sunflower shortages. Uh, for instance, there was a message from uh, um, a warning from the European Vegetable Oil Association, uh, FEDIOL, um, the roughly uh, 200,000 uh, tons per month uh, of EU supply for uh, of uh, sunflower seed oil from Ukraine has stopped being shipped to European ports. And yeah, that's a lot. And uh, and again, the, according to an estimate from uh, from the association, between 35, 35 and 45% of sunflower oil refined in the EU uh, comes from Ukraine, and there is uh, no immediate solution to this disruption in sunflower seed oil, as of course it is unclear if and how trade will be able to resume. Actually, fun fact, there are even been some supermarkets this week that have started restricting the amount of sunflower oil 
that each consumer can have to five liters. It was in Spain. I know I saw this. Yeah, and, and um, even in Italy, if I may, it's uh, there. Um, there were some uh, companies that are basically um, uh, using as raw material this uh, this um, uh, Ukraine oil. Uh, they having they already exhausted the stock, and they uh, it, it, it's in the Ravenna. So basically, in, uh, in a very beautiful part of Italy called Romagna. Mm. But I suppose the question is, why is sunflower such a key product? Well, sunflower oil is used in food preparation, things like frying and cooking oil, but also for salad dressing. Um, but it can also be used as fuel when it's mixed with diesel. So it's a very, very useful oil. And the extraction of oil also produces seed meal, that's like crushed, uh, crushed seeds, which are used as animal feed and fertilizer and also for fuel. So this is like a multi uh multi-pronged multi-useful uh, 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 resource and of course the seeds themselves are also well liked and also a healthy snack especially popular in the Mediterranean region also Eastern European region and Asian countries um, but Yulia are there what what kind of things can be made out of sunflower that could be fun and interesting for our listeners yeah I was going to bring uh, two things that I heard of um, well, this is not planned at all <laughs> Uh, so, uh, two things I found interesting um, reading about the technology made out of sunflower and that I would absolutely try whenever I get the chance. Um, so, there's actually a type of halva, uh, which uh, is basically a type of uh, sweet. Like a that's Middle sweet. Eastern sweet. Made from, I think it's made from sesame normally. Or, yeah, yeah I've, I've tried it made from sesame and uh, it's absolutely delicious. But apparently, it's also a variety that's made out of sunflower seeds. So, that sounds quite delicious. Mm. Um, and second thing is that sunflower butter is also used. Uh, so sunflower butter is used as a substitute for peanut butter uh, for people who are allergic to nuts. So apparently it tastes similar. Um, and can this be used as a substitute? So that sounds quite uh, interesting too. Hmm, interesting. Actually, guys, I mean, it, it makes me think of um, a video, short video that I uh, watched on uh, TikTok. Yeah, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm using TikTok because so you're trying to be young and cool and hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After, after, trying uh, being the operative word. When I when I'm not on YouTube watching. Um, oh God. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm on TikTok, and there was this guy. It's uh, it's uh, basically explaining. It was a tutorial on how um, they used to. I'm 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 I haven't verified uh, the historical information, so it might be. Uh, a scam. <laughs> this guy is exactly what you want to hear from a journalist, isn't it? This guy. I no, haven't my source. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not Completely wearing the, the journalist hat. Uh, Twenty five. Okay, so it's just, hours just speculating. How, yeah, is it was, it? Uh, yeah, and and the guys. It was basically uh, explaining how they used to uh, cook uh, to bake actually uh, bread during the depression. Uh, so it in the 30s and uh, in order to spare some eggs so they basically used uh, peanut butter <laughs> instead of uh, you know as a oil no and, oh, yeah. uh, and you basically did this um, bread with peanut butter so maybe we can do uh, a bread with <laughs> with this uh, sunflower butter you know like hmm. in our youtube channel of course when we start doing recipes as well yeah, as yeah, yeah. a weekly recipe as well as a weekly podcast type thing that would be a great idea. I know. I, I'm, I, regret, I regret saying that out loud already. Gerardo, that was a joke. 
No, well, <laughs> you committed to. The idea is planted. It's oh, not coming back. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after I, after I, I saw Janusz Wojciechowski, the Eurocultural Commission, uh, participating to this uh, live cook show at the, what was it, the... I know, you've never, you've never let this down, like, you've never stopped talking about the this. The Expo. You're devastated that you didn't do this first. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I already have some, the entire uh, season of my first uh, uh, series on... Maybe... Uh, we could collect all of the flavors of the week over the like season and then try to make a recipe with them. Ooh. So like we could get sunflower seeds and sugar, you know, chocolate and Yeah, uh, exactly. Well so far we've what actually was the got first one. So far it works out quite well, I think. I mean sugar and chocolate, yeah, they go like pretty well. Sunflower ah, yeah, there was uh, there was the um, cinnamon. Super. Yeah, yeah, so we, far, actually, we, 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 have, we can make a cake. Yeah. yeah, next week we have to do flour <laughs> so that we can make a cake. So that's all from us this week. This week, the podcast is produced by Euractive's agri-food team, Gerardo Fortuna, Natasha Foot, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Abby Chiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.